0: Hello everybody, welcome, as we continue on in the study we're doing of the New Testament and um, we've been doing this for a long time now, um, we've worked our way through the Gospels and through the book of Acts and through all of Paul's letters and um, now we're just picking up the, the books that are left, we have about another year in our journey through the New Testament, we've gone a little over four but we should finish up by this time next year just before the end of the year and then um, unless the Lord has come back we'll move into the Old Testament and we'll go from there okay and just Genesis will take a year so uh, yeah that's good so it's uh, it's good stuff um, looking at the scripture this way I think is very helpful because it makes us think about the scripture in context and if if you if we take nothing else away from this it's about the importance of looking at the scripture in context um, so that you understand, and you've heard it, um, you know, c- coming from here over and over again, that um, the New Testament, um, y- you know, it-, it builds on the things that happened in the New Church and what Jesus did, and then, you know, in Paul's letters, he was writing the situations, and now the letter to the Hebrews is written. We're not sure who the author was, but but uh, it's it's an inspired book by the Holy Spirit. We have a few ideas who it might be, but it was written to. Um, a group of Jewish Christians who were being persecuted really bad and who were thinking about walking away from the faith. And so that was the dynamic it was written. When you read it that way, you, it makes sense because now you're reading in context. And because it was written to um, Jewish Christians, there's a lot of Old Testament scripture in there because they'd have been aware of it. When, when the writings were directed at the Gentiles who wouldn't have had the Old Testament background, you don't see a lot of the Old Testament stuff. You see a little, but not like um, there's you know, huge chunks of the Old Testament quoted in the book of Hebrews, and um, it's, it's related back to um, practices that the Jewish believers would understand and relate to, to make sense, so um, as I said, we're not exactly sure who wrote it, some people, some people think it was Paul, but that's not widely held anymore, um, because it's much different than his books, although it reflects some of Paul's thoughts and ideas, so it's thought that one of Paul's companions wrote it. Um, that maybe it was Apollos, some people even think it might have been Luke Um, and there's a few other possibilities of who wrote the book, we're not sure who the writer was, but we do know that um, it it was added into the canon, it's an inspired portion of the scripture and there's a lot of really neat stuff in the book of Hebrews, by far one of my favorite New Testament books, although I can say that about most of the books (laughs) The, the Yeah, oh, that's my favorite. That's like you know, but you've heard me say that before, so uh, it's all good. They can all be favorites. So um, Hebrews now, um, as we move into the fourth chapter, um, it's going to start talking here about the high priest uh, and that Jesus is our great high priest now. In the Old Testament, the high priest was the man that was appointed to represent the people before God. And he was the one who, would, who dealt with the sins and weaknesses by offering the necessary sacrifices for sins. But, um, but he, he was, uh, the, um, it was a foreshadowing of what was going to come. He was a shadow representing the coming perfect uh, intermediary, which we were going to find in Christ. And and so um, we read in Hebrews that these, these sin offerings were presented over and over and over and over and over again because the sin kept coming. Once Jesus comes, they were unnecessary because he makes the ultimate um, sin sacrifice on the cross. And, and so, um, but it's a picture of what needs to take. It's a, it's a reminder of the ugliness of sin. You know, when you read about um, the 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 sacrifices that were made for sin they're it's horrendous um they're 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 ghastly they're 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 it's, it's bloody it's a, it's a ho- it's not nice and clean and neat and it's it's horrible if you read the description you go oh my, and 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 it, it's a constant reminder of how horrible sin is um, it's, you know we don't see that graphic reminder anymore but but you know it certainly was at the cross a, a very graphic horrible thing that covered our sin um, but but it, all of the, that was done so the people knew that sin was a big deal And, and um, it cost something So the, in the Old Testament the high priest would go in and deal with his sacrifice um, Things that need to be taken care of for the sins of the people But in Hebrews 4 what we find out that, that in Jesus now we have a great high priest And um, he's, he's the perfect intermediary because he is fully God and fully man um, as, as, as a man who came, he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. And yet yet he's fully God. Uh, and, and so he, he's able to deal with the, this problem we have once and for all. And, and, uh, and so he's an adequate link to the Father. He was sufficient. It was enough to restore our relationship to God forever. These, these, uh, these sacrifices that were being made weren't enough. But in Jesus now, um, we've talked about this, that, that we can have our relationship to God restored because when god sees us he sees us now in christ and that's an amazing thing um, when god looks at us he no longer sees our mess he sees us in the perfection of his son we're still a mess we get that but that's but because of the cross and because we're uh, a work in progress and the holy spirit is in us and we're yielding to him um, when god looks at us now now he sees us in in the perfection of his son that's really cool um Last week we were talking about, uh, the, you know, m- mourning uh, our sin and our brokenness and that, you know, we need to come to, uh, we need to deal with that. And uh, someone came up and, and after the service and said that the Lord has sort of impressed upon them that, that, uh, and I think it was a perfect description, that we're a beautiful mess. And uh, what a, that's a great picture of who we are in Christ. We're a beautiful mess. Um, and and because uh, he sees the beauty of our potential and you... We're such a mess. And there's something about holding that tension and understanding that. And We'll even talk that about today. There's something that's freeing in this, and we'll, and we'll read the scripture and I'll say it again. That nothing is hidden from God, and yet he loves us with this incredible love. So, you know, sometimes we try and we, we think we can hide our stuff from other people maybe and our messes and all those other things, but God sees everything, and yet he's, he loves us. And there's something very freeing in that, not freeing that makes us want to go out and do whatever, but that, that gets that, um, you know, the enemy can't use guilt and shame against us. And, and, uh, and all of that helps us to enter into the rest of God, which is what we're going to talk about today and he says in hebrews we'll also see this that um, that we can now you know boldly uh, we can enter the very throne room of grace we, we can just approach it with confidence um, because of this amazing grace and mercy of god the love of god that he has for us how he sees us in christ and that we can receive grace and mercy when we need it so um, whenever we're starting to feel ashamed or overwhelmed and and we desperately need help we, we don't need to be afraid from god or draw back from god but we can go into his presence because of who he is. And and that idea, I think, allows us to enter his rest in peace. The the rest they're going to be talking about um, in the the verses today goes beyond the the promise of the promised land of Israel. Um, God's rest that that the writer in Hebrews is talking about is a rest of soul and spirit. It's a a rest of thought and and attitude um, that, that, that we can become a people at rest in Christ. Uh, because nothing is hidden from his gaze, he knows our, our our deepest, our our most secret stuff, our messes, and 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 yet he he allows us to enter into his rest. And there's something about that that the writer of Hebrews is trying to connect with in Hebrews four. So let's uh, let's read through it. Um, I'll read it to you. I'm going to read out of the NIV. Whatever translation you're reading from is fine. Um, but I put the NIV in your notes. Sixteen verses, fairly short chapter, but one of my favorites. Hebrews four, beginning in verse one, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you um, let us be careful that none of you are found to have fallen short of it, for we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest just as God had said. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day God rested from all his work. And again in the passage above he says, they shall never enter my rest. It it still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore God again set a certain day calling it today... When a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, Sharper than any double edged sword, it penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So, pretty interesting passage of scripture. And uh, let's just hit some of the highlights as we talk about it. And then in the first few verses, verses, there it talks about this rest. What's going on is that... Um, like I said, some of the Jewish Christians that this letter was being written to were apparently on the verge of turning back from the promised rest that they have in Jesus in much the same way that the people of Israel had turned back from entering the promised land with Moses. So it's a, it's a, it's a picture of the, the same sort of process about to take place. The people of Israel who'd been set free from slavery and bondage in Egypt and were, were heading into the promised land following moses uh, and all of a sudden they encountered some difficulties if you remember the big one was they sent some spies into the land the spies came back with a report that said it's, it's everything that god said so the land that they were going to get was a land where they were going to reap the benefits of work they'd never done that was part of the promise they'd given they were going to they were going to enjoy the fruit from vines that they'd never tilled they, the the land had been prepared for them by god and they were to enter in and he was going to be with them but remember they sent the spies in the spies came back and they said it's everything that god said it was huge fruit amazing everything's amazing but there's giants in the land and the people went well there you go and all of a sudden they disobeyed they and the reason they disobeyed from going in was they didn't trust god that was the issue they didn't trust him and and when you don't trust god you won't obey Sin is a sin is a result of not trusting God. Sin is, is this is that you don't trust God, so you do it in your own strength. That's sin. That's the that's the heart of it. You, you can't you don't trust God to um, really care for you, to take care of you, to uh, fulfill His promises. Um, you 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 know you don't want to wait, and so you we, we take matters in our own hands and we we sin. And and this is a picture, again, of what happened. The the people of Israel following Moses. Here come the giants. They see them. uh, They don't see them. The spies see them, report about it. Ten of the spies, you know, uh, we can't do it either. And two of the spies say, sure we can. We can make this. You know, God's with us. And they go, no, and they they disobey and they don't go in. And so they don't go in. I mean, they they lose the promise because they refuse to obey. Because they were... Facing some difficult situations and just flat out said no to God. And so um, they end up, that whole group doesn't go in to the promised land. They, they wander until they've all died off and then their kids go in. But It's fascinating. And you watch that if you wander, this whole journey could have been over in a couple of weeks. From Egypt to where they were going. If they'd have just, boom, boom, they'd have been in. God was with them. They would have just taken care of everything. They'd take care of them, been set up, but they didn't do it. And, and you, I think sometimes we look at that and we well, how can they miss that? You know, they just, they'd just seen this deliverance. They'd seen the ten plagues. They'd witnessed the, the Passover, for crying out loud, and the firstborn of everything had died but their own. Uh, they'd seen it. They'd witnessed it, the angel of death, and they'd been passed over because of the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost. They'd seen it. They'd, they'd, they'd g- gathered from their neighbors... Millions of dollars worth of bounty that God told them to go and get. Go and take from your neighbors, borrow from your neighbors, all their good stuff, and tell them you're going to worship God, which they were, and they did. And it was sort of payment from 430 years of slavery. They collect, they took all this stuff. They had all this stuff. Can you imagine the thing that they must? I mean, just so they're (laughs) they they out they go with all this stuff that they that wasn't theirs, and they and they they're heading out to, to worship, and all of a sudden Pharaoh goes, What in the world was I thinking? any any let's go guys let's go let's go get back we just put our entire workforce and all our stuff just wandered off into the desert <laughs> let's go round them up and bring them back and and so off they go and and you, you know what happens right they get they're blocked at the sea red sea they're standing, and the israelites are starting to complain what did you bring us out here to die in the desert you know it would have been better off back there and the sea parts and they go through it and then the The Pharaoh's army gets in there and it crashes down on them and wipes them out. Some people I've heard some people you ever heard this? They called oh it wasn't the Red Sea it was called the Reed Sea it was only a foot deep it wasn't a big deal. I think it's still a miracle because the Israelites passed over it even was a foot deep whatever it was foot deep or not it drowned all of Israel uh, Pharaoh's army so pretty cool anyway. um, So if it wasn't a big sea that parted if it was a little sea whatever it was was enough to drown Pharaoh's army all right. So however you want to work your miracle knock yourself out. And, and, and they see that happen. And now they're on the other side, see? But it's, now there's, things aren't quite right. The food, you know, the waters, they have some issues. You know, it's not. And, and, and they, they, they complain a little bit. And then the giant thing, and they go, no, we're not going in. And you think, wow, you just saw that. How can you not think that God will take care of some giant? He just took out an old army. You got all, and, 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 and yet here's the thing now. Here's what happens. So we're so much like that. We will see God move in some significant way in our lives significant way and then we'll hit a difficulty and all of a sudden we don't think he'll do it again we all of a sudden we we don't think he's trustworthy and and so we we we, we have to be careful that we disobey we and and you you when you disobey is when you don't trust that's what's going to happen if you don't trust you'll disobey and that's really the, the the heart of Hebrews 4 it's about people not trusting God and disobeying if you trust God you you'll you'll do what he says because you, you, you get it. And that, you know, it's, uh, um, he, the promise doesn't mean that there's not some difficulties on the journey. It just means that God is faithful and you can trust Him. And, and you don't have to fix, you don't always have to try and fix difficulties in your own strength. Sometimes you just got to, you know, trust God and walk through them. But see, that's where we find life. And so, and, and it's in Him and only Him that we'll ever find rest. And, and so if we stop trusting in God and start relying on our own efforts, any hope you have of rest goes, well, it's a terrible spot. There's nothing worse than trying to do things in your own strength. There's no peace there ever. It, it's, it's just not. Um, but when you trust in God, there's this, this this peace and rest that we can have that we can't even explain um, because it doesn't even depend on circumstances. It just depends on trusting in God and, and walking after him. So um, Hebrews 4, 4 through 11, then it goes on that... that that God offers us the opportunity to experience the ultimate place of rest, which is found in Christ. And, and this Sabbath rest that he's talking about begins the moment that we start to trust in Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives. Um, and, and then we're able at that point to rest from our works, which wouldn't to accomplish anything anyway, and start to live for him. And there's, there's life in there. You know, it said God rested from all his works. It didn't mean that he didn't do anything anymore. Um, he, he stopped the process of creation... Um, but he's still active, you know, he's always been active, he's active today, do you ever, are you, uh, I mean, are you amazed by the ever presence of God in your life, do you ever think about how amazing it is that God is just always at, and, and around, always busy, always with you, always there, always, um, he's ever present, and, and so it says he, he rested, but it's, it's not like he stopped, you know, he stopped the work of creation, but, but even in, in, in the picture, it's, it's this, it's different movement now. And and so, um, in Christ, our movement should be different. Instead of instead of, you know, this whole thing of trying to make everything work in our own strength and, and you know, just just barreling along, all of a sudden life looks different because we, we get there's a whole different concept behind it now. And, and and see, we begin to enter this rest in our lives. And and we find out that all the things that we were trying to do in our own strength, that, that he's he's done at the cross and continues to do in us by His Spirit. And so now it's more of a process of just tuning in and yielding to what He's doing and, and trusting in Him and moving along with Him rather than always trying to fight against it and do it in our own strength. He, you can just trust Him. and, and isn't, I mean, you know this from experience. Life is better when you trust Him. Life is better when even in it's difficult, you just say, God, I trust You. And you just put that other stuff away that keeps trying to stir you up from you know always being... You know, ah, he's going to be okay. This rest and peace is available to us now and forever, even in the midst of things. Then uh, Hebrews 4.12 talks about the Word of God. What I love that verse. Um, and, and some people, it seems like, you know, they, they get a little freaked out by the, the verse. You know, the, the the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Um, that's a good thing. Because the Word of God um, in... in in cooperation with the Holy Spirit, can change you, and and that's what see th- this whole thing is ultimately about transformed lives, right? God wants to change us, a- and and the Word of God just be- makes it apparent the things that need to be changed. Um, you know, and it's it's not all easy, but it's all good, and 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 and, and so the it's it's a lot. Isn't it, it's fascinating to me how alive the book is. How I, I read the Bible a lot, um, you know personally and professionally and uh, I, a lot and, and it amazes me how it never it's never dull it's always like fresh it's it's uh, you can go to it at any time and it's because it's alive and active it speaks um, that you know the idea behind a daily sort of you know planned thing that I'm always talking about you think well wouldn't that get stale if you if you if you plan out you know what you're going to read and and what I always say is it never gets stale um, because cause this, it's alive, and the Spirit of God will just work in whatever's going on in you and, and what you're reading at that point in time. It's just this fascinating thing. There's nothing else like it. There's no other book like it. There's nothing that's alive and active like that in our lives. Think about how often, the, if, you, if you're taking time to read the Word, it's, it applies to what's going on. Um, it's, that's the power of God. It's, he's amazing that way. So Sometimes people will tell me, that they're coming, and when they're here on the weekends, that what they hear on the weekend and the verses and stuff speak to the exact situations they're going through. And, you know, and and, uh, and, and of course they do, because the Word's alive. It's, it's, it's because of the power of God. And He can take whatever it is and, and use it in what's happening in your life, because that's who He is. That's how it works. It's, it's an amazing thing. There's nothing like it. See, all these things are just... Um, to me, what these things do is a constant reminder that, that we can trust God. We can, no matter what's going on, because he's proved himself to be trustworthy over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and over, and over again. It hasn't always gone our way, but it's, he's always been faithful. And so we continue to do that. And then in verse 13, again, and I touched on this earlier, um, nothing's hidden from God, and yet he still loves us. There's something that's very powerful about that thought. Um you, you ain't hiding nothing from God. You might hide something from every you might have things that you're hiding from everybody, but not from God. And yet God loves you with this amazing love. And there's there's something very freeing in that. There's something about we'll talk about that this weekend a little bit too. There's something amazingly freeing in knowing who you are in Christ and knowing who you're not, and and that allows you to just really sort of come alive. And and there's, there's, it's this fascinating thing that gets that, that, you know, like I told you, we're a beautiful mess to God and he, he loves us, you know, the spirit's changing us and he wants us to grow but he loves us right where we're at, amazing stuff verses 14 through 16, um, Jesus is our great priest and, and, and so because he lived among us, he understands us you know, you've heard me say he gets us, uh, he intercedes for us he cares for us He's available to us. Again, that's a, that should be one of those things that's mind-boggling, that the creator of the universe is available to you at all times. All times. Whenever. 24-7. Always available. Always there. Always looking. Always waiting. Loves it when you come. Loves it. Can you imagine? I mean, you think about it. He loves it. He's never like annoyed or interrupted or, oh, you again. Because, we can get like oh you again. God's never like that. He's never. I promise you, it will never be you again. It'll always be you again. Yay! You're my favorite. Promise. You are. You're his favorite. And he's just happy to just happy. It's what he, he loves it. Look and think about the lengths he went to to make it happen. It's significant. Because he wanted to be with you and hang out with you. And, and so because of this amazing love, we can come with you know, confidence right into the throne room of God whenever, whatever we're going through to receive mercy and grace and help whenever we need it. It's an amazing, amazing promise. And so this was the writer of Hebrews talking to the group of Jewish Christians, and it certainly applies to all of us, who were, who were going through difficulties and persecutions and were thinking about you know, going their own way, disobeying again, and they were going to lose the, the rest they have in Jesus. And the writer saying, don't do what our ancestors did. They blew it so bad. Don't worry. A few giants in the land, don't worry about it. God's bigger than the giants. God's bigger than your problems. Always will be. And he's got you and he loves you and he'll see you through it. Just trust him. And, and you know, do what, do what he tells you to do. And you'll find life there. Okay, that's enough for today. If you're watching by video or on television, thank you. We appreciate you doing that. We know how valuable your time is and we're we're so happy to spend time with you. Come and see us if you can. If you're on Big Pine, check us out. We'd love to have you here. If you need prayer, go to the website at keysvineyard.com. Find the prayer page and send us a prayer request and we'll be happy to pray with you or you can call us and we'll pray with you that way. But uh, thanks for spending time with us. We'll see you soon.